You're listening to the Do More Good podcast, coming live from the Scottish Conference in Glasgow. The Do More Good podcast. Do More podcast. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to Do More Good podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast, so good for you. Do More Good podcast. The Do More Good podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast from the Scottish Fundraising Conference here in Glasgow. Say we're live at the Scottish Conference 2022. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast. Uh, you're listening to the Do More Good. Uh, what did you say? Uh, you're listening to the Do More Good podcast live from the Scottish Conference. Is that the Scottish Conference? We got there. So our guests for this session recording live at the CIOF uh, Scottish Fundraising Conference this afternoon are David Mitchell, Crypto and Digital Fundraising Manager, and Nicola Gunn, Director of Development and External Affairs from the Edinburgh Dogs and Cats Home. And as of last night, award winners, in fact, at the, at the ceremony. Both are self-proclaimed crypto philanthropy enthusiasts, and they have embraced this new technology to raise over £150,000 in the first five months by researching, accepting donations, and engaging with crypto investors and communities. It is a fascinating area that scares me a little bit because I don't know much about it. I'm not sure about our listeners, whether they have explored. It's a shame that Kenneth isn't here, actually, because he has invested in crypto, and his £150 in Bitcoin has now raised us enough money to almost buy a round. So we're very excited about that. But it'll be great to hear a little bit more from the experts, and I welcome David and Nicola. Welcome to the show. Hello, lovely to be with you. Thank you for joining us today. Really looking forward. I think everybody is really looking forward to the session later on. You guys are hot, hot topic (laughs) on the uh, on the program. It's going to be one of the best attended, I'm sure. Could you just talk to us a little bit about your careers and how you've ended up at Edinburgh Dog and Cat's Home, Nicola? Maybe to start with. Yeah. So I've been in the sector since around 2007, 2008, where I started off my career as a fundraising assistant at CHAS, the Children's Hospice Association. That's where I cut my fundraising teeth. From there, kind of progressed into a fundraiser role and then went to a more local adult hospice after that where I took on a fundraising management role but also looked after kind of more of the comms side of things as well. And from there, have had a role with the British Medical Association, which was out of the sector for a little while, but really taught me about a membership organisation, trade union, and just more of those relationship management skills. And I've been at the home since 2016. So when I joined there, I didn't have a team. I was the first kind of senior fundraising role brought into the organisation. And my job was really to take away our over-reliance on legacies, because as an organisation, they were over 130 years old, almost 140 now and all our money had come in from legacies so my job was to build a fundraising communications department to grow legacy but also to take away the over-reliance on legacy so that's what I've been up to over the last six years. Brilliant and we are going to talk about diversifying your income streams in just a minute aren't we but David how about you? My background has always been slightly on the more technical side but still always in the third sector. I started working for Blackboard, who a lot of your listeners might know as a supplier of CRM software, database software to the non-profit sector. From there, I moved into a role at International Development Charity, and again, I was on the data side, moved into digital marketing, so I've always been in the slightly more tech side. And then, as things moved on, I had a few other roles in comms and content. Digital just seemed to sort of become more mainstream, so the roles I was taking seemed to follow that way. I was freelance for a while, and really before joining Nicola and her team, I'd really thought that I was potentially going to have to move away from the non-profit sector because I wanted to work in crypto. And 
I think a couple of weeks into my job search, I stumbled upon a job advert for the Edinburgh Dog and Cat Home. And I, I've said this before to Nicola, I could not believe my eyes when I saw the job was there. I suspected there might be somebody who was fundraising in cryptocurrency, yeah. but I thought it would be a huge US charity with all the resources in the world. But to see like a Scottish charity who already had huge success with cryptocurrency and was so committed to it, I couldn't believe it. And it literally, the, the, the minute I saw that job advert, I dropped everything else I was doing, <laughs> and I just I threw myself into an application. And then there was a whirlwind application process, and then I was in Nicholas' team. And what was it about crypto that you wanted to get into? Why was that the area that you were desperate to work in? I think when you see it, it's, it's, it's like watching something huge unfold before you. Mm-hmm. I think that the thing that's normally compared to is maybe the, the dawn of the internet. That's what's the, usually is cited as the closest comparison. You just see a tremendous amount of very intelligent people, very artistic people, very passionate people, very committed people talking about this new vision of the future and a new way the world could be, a new way things could be organised. And I think probably to a certain type of person who's maybe quite keen on those sort of ideas, it's just very captivating. And as soon as you kind of are hooked, it's just hard to hard to get out of. Yeah, okay, an exciting time. So you were aware of other people doing this. I think there was a campaign for RNLI and Save the Children and you kind of looked at that and thought... That's interesting. I wonder what those guys are doing. Yeah, so it was actually when I joined the home in 2016, I think there'd been a, a little news article or something saying that in Alive started accepting cryptocurrency. So I had a little look into it. So Save the Children were doing it on a kind of more international level. RNLI were accepted it on their website. I don't, as far as I know, I don't think they were doing any proactive fundraising around it, but they started to set up a wallet and put it on their website. And I remember saying to our finance team at the time, that's really interesting, we need to keep an eye on that. But for us, as I mentioned, we had so much work to do to diversify our income streams generally that that was kind of put in the back pocket and didn't kind of re-emerge until the start of last year. But yeah, we were always kind of keeping a loose eye on it with interest to see, you know, is this the next big thing? and. Yeah. How, how are they doing with it and um, how are they fundraising? And, and was there any opposition to that? Where you talked about it, did people's eyes glaze over or did they say, no, we're not going there? Or was there any kind of barriers that you Im- initially found? To be honest, could... not really. I think we have a culture of innovation and creativity at the home and that filters down from our board of trustees right to every level of the organisation. So obviously when it came to the stage where we were looking to introduce it, the right questions were being asked. But yeah. I don't think there was anyone who was really hard against it because we made a really robust case of why we should do it. So, no, I think it actually most people embraced the idea. Good. I don't think everyone understood it. That's the difference. But I think it was trying something new. There was quite a bit of excitement about it, actually. Yeah, nice. Okay. And it kicked off with a, I don't know whether it was a chance meeting or a message from a journalist. Is that right? That's how the story goes? Yeah. The legend? Yeah, we got an email from a journalist in Edinburgh who basically just dropped us a line and said, I'm a journalist in Edinburgh, but I'm also part of a cryptocurrency community who would like to make a substantial donation to a cat charity. And because I live in Edinburgh... I would like to put you guys forward. Do you accept cryptocurrency? So we went back and said, no, we don't. But we're definitely interested in having a conversation. So that opportunity passed us by. But he actually was very generous with his time, as you'll find most people in the crypto sector are, um, and actually explained to us how the community he was in worked and what they were doing and how actually they were finding it quite difficult to find charities that they could give the money to because they didn't accept crypto. So after speaking to him, although that opportunity passed us by, um, although we just realised there was a full circle of that story that we just realised later on, they actually did become donors. But at that point, we then started to seriously research 
cryptocurrency philanthropy and how we could do that yeah. um, okay. and if it was a possibility for us. And is there a reason, I mean, is crypto linked to certain industries? Are you saying that there weren't many charities that are accepting crypto? Are there areas that, that are, that are fully embracing crypto as industries? I think so, and I think it tends to be driven almost at the creative side. So, for example, when you look at people heavily involved in NFTs, it tends to be fashion brands. It tends to be people on the cutting edge of culture. And obviously, it's um, anyone involved in technology and finance to some degree. Yeah. So, yeah, there certainly seems to be a, a burgeoning sector. But what I've noticed is every single day, in my newsfeed at least, there's a new story about someone who's adopted it, someone who's going to release their own series of NFTs. Yeah. Always just more and more in the cultural space, more and more in the brands that people are aware of and you interact with every day. So when we look at it, it just feels like every day more and more of it's coming. It's just becoming more and more prevalent. Yeah. So you had your call, you had your chat with your journalist, filled with uh, excitement about this. What were the first things that you did? You set up a wallet, or, or maybe you built that business case first of all? Uh, no, the first thing I did was I thought to myself, apart from researching crypto and finding out a bit more what it is, I'm not a very technically minded person, which I think is actually a good thing to spread the message of you don't need to be to accept crypto, although we've now got David actually, do you know, to get it set up, you just need a basic understanding. So it was really about educating ourselves on what it is, how it works, and then I basically said to myself, there must be a platform, there must be a, some kind of middleman where we, because the risk of setting up a wallet and the management of that internally was a bit of a concern for me. So I thought there must be a platform. So actually, I started Googling cryptocurrency philanthropy platforms and we found the one that we use, the Giving Block. There was quite a few, but they seemed to be the most established. So they were based in the States and they were already working with a few hundred charities, mainly in America, but in other places as well. I got in touch with them to see how how they worked and if they could be a good fit for us and that's where we decided when we were putting the business case together for the board that we would ask for the investment into that platform yeah. on a one year trial. Okay. Um, so that's and how much was that? How much um, did two and a half thousand US dollars. Right. So I basically made no promises to our board. I said I don't know if this will raise any money, but let me spend that two and a half thousand dollars for one year and let's see what happens. And if we don't make any money from it, then we can easily just not do it again next yeah. year. Let's try it out and see. And thank God they said yes. Great stuff. <laughs> and those guys have been great, haven't they? They've, they've really supported you, answered any questions that you've had, haven't made you feel like idiots. Yeah, particularly before David came on and we were quite obviously novices with crypto and they were able to really explain things, especially around some of the concerns we had around sustainability and fraud and security and all of that kind of stuff. So they were re really able to explain it. But I think since you've come on, David, you've got a really good relationship with them as well, don't you? In a more kind of practical in-depth level maybe than what, what I had before. What was the next step? How did you share the fact that you were accepting crypto? This was interesting fact because we're like, how do we rule this out? It's not like your normal campaign. What do we do? So we're like, okay, we put some assets together in-house for social media. We put it in our newsletter. We sent out an e-newsletter and didn't really generate anything. That was at the end of August. And at the start of September, I went on annual leave for a week. And my colleague, Carlin, who helped set all this up, she phoned me on my first day of annual leave. And I was like, oh, no, something must be happening. And she's like, Nicola, I know you're on holiday, but you need to know this. And I was like, OK. We've just had a donation of £26,000 through the giving block. And we were just like, this is incredible. It turned out it was from an NFT project that was cat-themed. And they tweeted, tweeted us about it, but then put it through anonymously. And yeah, we didn't do anything to solicit that donation. So it was pretty incredible. And I think that's what made us realise, okay, there's a lot of potential here because 
You've just I made really, 10 times your investment exactly. in one donation. Exactly. I was like, okay, well, that's good. That's good return on investment. But I really thought when we signed up to the giving block that it was going to be individual donations. I really thought it was going to be an individual giving thing. And I thought it was going yeah. to be donations of 10, 20 pounds. I didn't think it was going to be a what we are now calling the kind of community fundraising of crypto. Yeah. So actually, like... 99% of the donations we've had have been from communities, not individuals. Okay, we're going to come back to the communities yeah. that you've spoken to and how you've built those relationships. But David, maybe the donation didn't come through as £26,000, did it? So no, you've it got came it through in Ethereum. Yeah. That's right. So Ethereum, for our listeners, could you ex- just explain that to us? Imagine you're talking to an idiot. I'll, I'll, I'll try my hardest. I'll, I'll try and get an explanation. Now, this is actually, to me, it's a very interesting point as to how deep an explanation we go into this mm. because to my mind to fundraise with cryptocurrency it's good to have like a bit of knowledge about it it's good to be aware of what it is and the top level but like a lot of technologies you use every day in your fundraising you don't need to know down at the deep roots of it and i think a lot of the issues that come up when talking about cryptocurrency is people often dive in and they want to start talking about the deep the depth and the mathematics and the networks and the computing side of it but as Nicola said, tools like the given block mean that that's not always necessarily the case. But certainly with Ethereum, what we're talking about is the second largest cryptocurrency. So if you imagine comparing it to what we call fiat currency, money centrally issued by a government or bank, US dollar would be number one, um, and cryptocurrency number one would be Bitcoin. But underneath Bitcoin, there's lots of different cryptocurrencies, all with different attributes and themes. Ethereum's the second biggest one. It's a little bit newer than Bitcoin. Bitcoin's like the original or one of the, the first ones that really took hold in around uh, 2010. It's been around a decade. Ethereum's been around five years. It's got a lot of new advancements and properties. Allows people to do really interesting things. Allows people to mint NFTs, which is a big part of what the communities that we work with do. And essentially, it's just that crypto commodity it's traded a bit like stocks and shares people buy it people hold on to it wait for it to rise in value sell it it can do some really cool stuff it's often referred to as programmable money and that i can build a contract that says um, nicola can send me a hundred pounds and we wait for 10 days and then i send 50 pounds back to nicola and i send 50 pounds on to the next person and we can set that all up in a contract that is then automatically executed so these are all the exciting things that traditionally the banking industry held on to and they were very much pulling the strings of how money could move, how money could be set up. But now individuals in this space that we call um, decentralised finance can now set up their own rules about how money moves, how things connect, how people are paid, um, and Ethereum facilitates all that. Um, And it also has a cash value. So when someone donates it to us, it's converted to cash and it goes to fund our mission. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, Tech corner there. Jimbo is off at the bar, which makes a change, and means I can tell you about the website, domoregood.uk. There you'll find profiles, blog posts, previous episodes, and a link to the newsletter if you fancy some VIP content in your inbox. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at domoregoodpod, plus you can find us on LinkedIn. We've even started a TikTok. Anyway, he's on his way back. Hang on a minute, are they shandies? Nicola, talk to us about these groups then. So it wasn't individuals that donated. You found that actually, as you say, it was communities of people instead. Yeah. How, did you, how did you find them and communicate with them? And Yeah, I so the, I mean, that first big donation really made us realise this is where we need to be looking. So basically for about a month, I just spent my life on Twitter. 
Twitter became my world and I just followed every dog and cat themed Twitter mm. uh, crypto community that I could possibly find. And there was one evening where uh, I was just scrolling through and one of them that I'd followed went live on Spaces. And I thought, Do you know what, I'm just going to go in and listen to hear what they're talking about. I probably won't understand half of it. And I don't know if it's fate or just luck, but the first thing I heard the, the guys talking about was we were actually set up with a mission of giving 1% of all our taxes to animal welfare charities, but we can't find any animal charities who accept crypto or even want to talk to us. So I was going sitting there going, I can't believe my luck that I've just, I've just joined this. <laughs> so there's me DMing all the, the project leads on, on Twitter, and the next day I had a Zoom meeting with them. Wow. Um, based in, some of them in America, the, the founder is in Sweden, some in Germany. And I met with some of them and I basically said, look, we would love to partner with you. And they they were just amazed that a charity got in touch with them. They were like, this is incredible. I can't believe you found us. Can't believe you got in touch with us and can't believe you accept crypto. So I said, look, what do you want me to do? Would, would it be useful for you if I wrote a fundraising proposal of like what some things you could fund? And they were like, that would be really useful. Yeah, because they didn't really know what how to work with charities yet. So went away over the next 24 hours, pulled together a, a proposal with lots of different options. And within a couple of days, they came back to me and said, we want to fund the big one. And within 10 days, they made a donation of 26 Ethereum, which at that point was worth about £87,000. <laughs> and funded her. on Twitter, you just stumbled across a gold oh, mine. Yep, yep. Um, and they've become Brilliant. amazing partners. So not only did they give us that donation in November... But when I went back to them a couple of months later and I said, look, I think there's huge potential in crypto, not just crypto, but in digital fundraising, as we know in the sector, it's huge with gaming and streaming and all the other options. I said, look, we don't have the budget this year to bring on another role, but I think this is the time if we really want to get in there early and be at the forefront of this. So they actually also then pledged to donate the first six months of a salary, which ended up being David's role. Hello, so and I'm here. <laughs> we got a fundraiser funded through That's Crypto, brilliant. which was amazing. That's a fantastic way for them to approach things as well, that they know they're at the foundations of this and they're beginning to build those blocks to, to make it a more sustainable project for you. That's, yeah. that's great. And they're just so excited about, they're at the forefront of crypto philanthropy from the crypto side and they really see us at the forefront of crypto philanthropy from the charity side. So it's like a match made in heaven. We're just learning so much from each other. Yeah. They're learning so much about the charity sector. We're learning so much about crypto um, yeah. through them. Okay. So it's, it's Great. Um, and you talked there about communicating with them. Presumably it still follows, I think you were saying, the same principles as you would relationship fundraising. But is there anything different to it? Is it nuanced in any way? I mean, that's like, you know, it's geographically, it can be worldwide. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you've got maybe some time zone balancing to do. Sometimes the channels where you first interact with people are a bit different. Um, Twitter's very popular, but we also find ourselves um, looking around Discord channels. Uh, telegram chats because that's where these communities themselves um, operate and that's where they congregate mm. so often that's you know where we're looking that's where we're chatting to people but no once once you've actually made an initial contact it's a case of just jumping on a zoom call jumping on a team's call just like you would with anybody and um, just just meeting the people in the project speaking to them asking them about what they're interested what they want to do and it's just like a an ordinary fundraising relationship really as you touched on, internet and cats is a, is a lovely link. I mean, of course, you guys are going to be at the forefront of this. But you go out and, and your approach wasn't to simply post on your website and maybe through your channels that you were accepting. You went out looking for people and you went, as you say, to Discord channels and onto Twitter and found them in their environment rather than waiting for them to find you. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we spent, uh, uh, it, it feels a bit like corporate fundraising, also a bit like trust fundraising. It's like you put it out there and maybe only a small percentage get back to you, but that percentage that do get back to you tend to be very excited about the fact that a charity has yeah. uh, contacted them. Maybe they've not had the, enough of that yet where they're tired of it. So we're in the <laughs> early stages where they're like, that's really cool, a charity's contacted us. Yeah. And everything from obviously the Pothelium partnership, I talked about that was a, uh, they were build, they're building their own cryptocurrency on the Ethereum network, but we've also had lots of NFT project who have engaged with us and supported us and that's lower level but still in the thousands of pounds you know so um, it might be that at the moment David's talking to an NFT project about they're going to auction off one of their artworks for us some would just like to give profit some do community votes so they ask their community to vote on which charity they want to support so they all work a little bit differently but it's been quite fascinating learning how they all work. We touched on diligence earlier on there could be some people out there who are thinking this is a different area to what I'm used to crypto I don't necessarily understand it presumably you are following some kind of checks on people but not that much different to what you would normally do it, it feels very different because you're using different terminology and a lot of different words but when you actually go to write down your policies and look at things you start to realize it's not that dissimilar to cash and the same sort of principles you'd use there yeah, our policy is, at the moment certainly, is that we once we get a crypto donation, we immediately withdraw it into fiat. And that's mainly because of the volatility. And we don't want, obviously, we've got responsibility to use that money wisely for our mission. But um, when it comes to updating policies aside from that, we actually just looked at our existing gift acceptance return and refusal policy and updated that to reflect crypto because as David said it's it's very similar principles but in terms of anonymous donations over a certain amount we do the same as what we would for anonymous cash donations we would record that at our board that's come in um, our board meetings and giving block themselves do a lot of checks and that's why we found the value in using a platform because they do a lot of those kind of checks for you on your behalf so we felt definitely that it was worth doing that rather than having a wallet at this stage because they can take care of a lot of those things the market is volatile it's jumping up and down every day you guys don't hang on to things for too long i understand so you'd convert straight into pounds and put that that money to use yeah. rather than trading it playing around with it and, and doing anything yourself yeah certainly at the moment that's what we do and i think until a day where the market maybe does level out that's that's what we'll continue to do because at the end of the day we do need that money for our dogs and cats and everything else that we do i will say though that there is a lot of managing expectations with crypto partners around that because especially ones not so much with nfts but more so with token projects is when they donate crypto to you when you withdraw it obviously affects their value and david can maybe chat more about that but it's kind of managing that expectation of we can't hold on to this money we need the cash so we can use it yeah i guess there's also something there about they have given you an amount of money if you were to hang on to it for a couple of weeks and it dropped there's something there about actually that's not what they gave you how do you cover that that drop i guess yeah and it's us not being responsible as a charity for the money that comes in you know Mm. if we lost twenty thousand pounds off of a donation that's a lot of money that Mm. could fund you know it could fund a a role for a year so yeah we um it also could go the opposite way it could it could go right up but we just can't take that risk yeah Um, fair enough and then the results for you one hundred and fifty thousand pounds so far that's brilliant off a two and a half thousand pound punt yeah amazing stuff and I mean David's now at the stage where he's working obviously we are in a dip at the moment with the crypto market so David's been working really hard over the last couple months building new relationships so that hopefully when things 
go up again. I, I was going to mention that. I was going to say that it's, it's been a, couple, a, a difficult couple of weeks, hasn't it, in the uh, in the crypto world, but yes. it's going to happen, isn't it? Yes, it has, and historically, when you look at it, there are huge swings, and that's part of, as Nicola mentioned, the volatility is almost built in at present. It's just a fact of life in the crypto world to some degree. Yeah. The crypto projects always say that when you're in a a bear market when things are in the downward turn you build and that's what they build their technology and what we do is we build our relationships and build our understanding and I think the thing is as well again it's always coming back to if you compare it to the in inverted commas real world the cash world mm. when the market takes a, a dip which it certainly has currently and it probably will continue to with various events around the world corporate fundraising it doesn't grind to halt it just continues perhaps you might have to work a little bit harder perhaps is the doors aren't quite as open but essentially things continue and it's sort of the same in the crypto world the desire to work with charities and support charities is still there with the project um, and certainly our desire to part, partner with them is still there so yeah. I don't worry too much about the volatility and the dips from our point of view as long as we are there and present and always just building those relationships yeah yeah it seems to work well for us looking forward then so as you say, this is just the beginning of this journey. How do you see this panning out for you guys over the next couple of years? Have you got any plans or are you just going to ride the wave and see how it goes for now? I think David can talk you through his plans. I think for me, the one thing that I've always said is that obviously I talked about, I thought individual giving would be the thing and it would be lots. And I think we still really need to tap into that. We've kind of got our heads around the community side with these partnerships. But I think in the future, there's potential for corporate fundraising mm. through as more companies start to adopt. Obviously, some big tech companies heavily invest in crypto and I think there'll be potential there in the future. But also around major giving. There's a lot of people who have made a lot of money through crypto. Yeah. So I think there's opportunities there. And I'm also keen to see in the future of legacy if there, is there going to be any potential around the legacy? You know, when people die, where are their crypto assets going to go? And will anyone look to leave those in their will to charity? So I think we're just at the very beginning of something that's going to be really interesting and exciting for our sector. Nice. But David, for our plans, I guess you can talk more about what... <laughs> I mean, for our plans, it, a lot of it is hopefully more of the same. We've developed a reputation in the crypto space as one of the charities most open to crypto, most in favour of it, most pleased and happy to promote about it and, and speak about it and you know it's great to speak uh, on your podcast today and we do quite a lot of speaking events to again just raise awareness in the sector about cryptocurrency and the success we've had because we want other people to have success from it because it's a tremendous opportunity but that was going to be my follow-up really well how do you are you seeing the rest of the sector coming and seeing you guys talk and then that afternoon they're setting up their their, um, their own wallets and is it catching on are you kind of the trailblazer well whether people are actually setting it up or not i'm not sure but in the week that we got that eighty-seven thousand, i would say there was about 30 different charities got in touch with us wow and since then we probably get about maybe five a week asking us um, and we've tried to do our best to give like to talk to people one-on-one -on -one, but it's getting to that stage now where we're kind of having to go watch that webinar or watch yeah, this or okay. come along to this conference but yeah. We really do want to help because, you know, in this sector, everyone does rally around each other and help each other. And I think it's nice just to be able to go, this is what we've done. It might not work for you. It might, you might be able to do it better, but this is the way we've done it. So yeah. it's been really interesting, actually. And I know of some charities that have went on to go and put business cases forward to their boards and whether they've been signed off or not, I don't know. But yeah, I think it's definitely it's definitely catching on so it'll be really exciting to see in a year or so's time where, where we're at when we, when we come back next it. year we'll, we'll see yeah, yeah how many other charities yeah. have adopted it lovely yeah. stuff great thank you very much I don't want to take up too much of your time 
you have got a presentation this afternoon after all. But before we go, I've got some quick fire questions. So we've got some cards here. If you could pick one each, read the question out for me and answer it. You can take your time. What is your most used emoji? And I think for me, it's usually the cheery, smiley face. <laughs> Just like in real life. Um, mine is, are you an early bird or a night owl? And I think if you were at the awards ceremony last night, you would know that I'm very much a night owl. I struggle with mornings and it's probably quite good in the digital sector because most of the people are up all night. So, yeah, definitely a night owl. Lovely stuff. And we should probably just touch on that. You did pick up an award last night. That was lovely to come and we talk did. on a brilliant subject and pick up a trophy whilst you're here it was lovely it was actually we, we were shortlisted for two we didn't actually win the one for our crypto partnership but we won one for best individual giving campaign which was for our emergency appeal during covid so it was a really nice moment for the team to all be together and be able to celebrate that in person so it was yeah, lovely great stuff congratulations obviously the first thing that people should do if they're interested in this is watch one of the other webinars that you've done on this and uh, get their background done but if they did want to reach out and ask you something specifically how might they get in touch with you two uh, twitter email linkedin we're both on twitter pr- pretty active on twitter so probably a good place to to engage we'll also be at the um, iof convention next month so if anyone wants to have a chat with us while we're down there we'll be talking all things crypto again so Brilliant. Um, yeah happy to chat okay so you're on the circuit basically you're doing this you're a bit of a road show absolutely yeah you track us down we'll be on twitter and happy to chat as much as anyone Brilliant. can bear about crypto i'll, I'll talk i'll talk <laughs> for as long as as people can't stand it anymore. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time and good luck this afternoon. Thank Thank you you very much. Just before we go, can we ask you a favour? If you enjoyed this episode and you made it this far after all and want to help us reach more people and attract more guests, then we'd really love a review on iTunes. Alternatively, if you haven't got anything nice to say, then say it in an email. Get in touch at contact at domoregood.uk and let us know how we can improve the show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another story of someone doing more good.